Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, I want you to come over here right away. What's that again? I want you to come over here right away. And that's what I thought you said, but... Who is this, and where's here? This is Ellis P. Watkins, Mr. Dollar. You've heard of me, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. Manufacturer, aren't you? At the moment, that seems to be a matter of opinion. Over here is Broad Acres at Fairfield, Connecticut. Would you mind telling me what this is all about, Mr. Watkins? It's very simple. I have $100,000 to give away. All? To whom? That is what you are going to tell me, Mr. Dollar. I'll get there as soon as I can. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the estate of E.P. Watkins, Fairfield, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the happy family matter. Expense account item one, a dollar twenty taxi from my apartment to the home office of the Universal Adjustment Bureau and Pat McCracken. take Mr. Watkins long to get in touch with you, Johnny. Yeah, I figured he must have got my name from you, Pat. Ah, E.P. Watkins holds a life policy for $100,000. Beneficiary was to have been his wife, but she died several months ago. Now he wants to designate a new beneficiary. You mean he wants me to tell him who the beneficiary should be? That's right. No, thanks. Now, look, Johnny... You look, Pat. I got tangled up in a family matter once before. I still have the scars to prove Johnny... it. Johnny... Why doesn't Mr. Watkins pick his own beneficiary? Ordinarily, he would, but in a case like this, it might take time. So what? From what I can gather, Johnny, Mr. Watkins doesn't have much time left to live. Oh? Okay, Pat. Item two, $4.30 transportation by car to Broad Acres, the Watkins home in Fairfield. It was a big place, and it was old. I was shown into the library. E.P. Watkins was sitting in front of the fire. I could see that he wasn't well, but there was still a lot of strength in his face. Mr. Dollar, according to the medical authorities, 
I have somewhere between one week and one year to live. I'm sorry. I'm not. Oh? My wife is dead. My business is on the verge of collapse, and my children are strangers. Should I be sorry? Well, I... I don't know. I have three possible beneficiaries. A daughter, Sheila, 28 years old. A son, Michael, 26, and another daughter, Elizabeth, 24. Why not have all three share equally? Mr. Dollar, had I wished to do that, I would not be calling on you. The others will be taken care of elsewhere in the estate, I suppose. There is no estate other than this insurance policy. Oh. Most of it has gone down the drain of an ailing business. The rest will be consumed in estate expenses. I see. Watkins' money should be kept in the Watkins family, as I see it. But I... I most emphatically wish the money to go to one member and one member only. And the other two? They're to be left out in the cold, huh? I did not engage you to examine my motives, Mr. Dollar. You have asked me a direct question, and I will give you a direct answer. Yes, I intend, as you put it, to leave the other two out in the cold. Uh, you say there are three of them, Sheila, Michael, Elizabeth... What can you tell me about them? Well, Sheila, who lives with me, <laughs> seems to think that she should be managing my affairs instead of I. Uh-huh. And Michael seems to prefer the so-called life of an artist to assuming the responsibilities of the name of Watkins. And Elizabeth? Stubborn, stubborn. Married to one James Lovett, who is quite convinced that he knows infinitely more about business matters than I ever did. Well, you seem to take a pretty dim view of all of them, Mr. Watkins. I do. I do indeed, Mr. Dollar. You know, one little item occurs to me. And what is that? Whichever two are left out aren't going to like it very much. Obviously. Which means they're not going to like me very much. Also quite obvious. So I intend to pay you a considerable fee. But you will earn it. Every penny of it. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. And now for another episode in the life of Sergeant Donald Bellwether, my husband. Ariba, is everything packed in this duffel bag? Yeah, everything but these, Sarge. Oh, let me see that bottle. Reba, what in the world would a bunch of guys on our fishing trip want with these indigestion pills? Well, now, you just take them along, Don. Remember, you boys will be doing your own cooking for three whole days. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait to pop some of those freshly caught fish into the pan. There, now, everything's all packed. Yeah, well, we better get going. The fellas will be waiting. Well, I'll walk you to the car. Okay. I'll carry this bag. The rest of the gear's already packed. Here, I'll open the door for you. Oh, thanks, honey. Now, I'll just put this bag in the back seat. Okay. Now, kiss me goodbye right here on the front lawn so the neighbors will know I'm not leaving because we quarrel. Oh, you're so silly. Good luck, dear. Have a wonderful time. You really deserve this fishing trip. Well, is that all you got to say? I mean, you, you, you usually tell me to drive carefully, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this time I will not say a word. Hmm. Oh. Okay, dear. Well, I guess I better be going. Hey, what's this note on the steering wheel? Dear Sergeant, on one holiday last year in the States, 
Speed was a factor in 71% of the accidents. Drinking was a factor in nearly half. Accidents were most frequent early in the weekend. 82% of the accidents happened in rural areas, and the victims were usually the drivers. Your loving wife, Reba. <laughs> I might have known you'd get to me somehow. <laughs> Goodbye, dear. Oh, I'm going to miss you. Oh, I'm going to miss you too, Reba. And don't you worry. I'll drive safely. That's my Donald. That's my dog. <laughs> Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Happy Family Matter. Well, this was undoubtedly the weirdest assignment I'd ever been handed, and from one of the weirdest characters I'd ever met, E.P. Watkins. And yet I couldn't help feeling sorry for him. He was really alone. And somewhere along the line, he must have been hurt pretty badly. I left the library and started through the drawing room. Mr. Dollar? Hmm? I'm Sheila. Oh, yeah. I'd like to talk to you for a moment. Sure, why not? Mr. Dollar, I know what you must think of my father. Oh, do you? But if you're inclined to judge him harshly, just remember, he wasn't always like this. Oh. So, so very many things have gone wrong for him. Like what? Like, well, I'm afraid the main thing is his feeling that the three of us, Elizabeth and Michael and I, have let him down somehow. He seems to resent us so terribly. Why should he, Sheila? I'm not sure. I think he resents me because I'm not a man. Oh? You see, I'm the oldest. And in many ways, I'm more like father than the others are. If I'd been a man, I could have, well, taken over for him. Yeah, I see. I've tried to do what I could. Help make decisions, that sort of thing. But I think he somehow resents that, too. Well, I, I gather it hasn't exactly been easy for you living here with him. Somebody has to. And the others have lives of their own. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the others, I'd like to talk to them. Where can I find them? Elizabeth and her husband live in Cranford, New Jersey. And Michael's in New York, in Greenwich Village. Okay. Thanks, Sheila. Outwardly, she was poised, but I could tell she was nervous, tense. Her fingers wouldn't stay still. She kept shredding bits of cellophane from her cigarette package. Yes, she was under strain, all right, and I can understand why. Item three, eight dollars and forty cents. Transportation in New York City to the Greenwich Village apartment of Michael Watkins. Mr. Dollar, you can tell Dad that I do not want that insurance money. Why not, Mike? Because it doesn't... Well, he doesn't owe me anything, and I don't owe him anything. It was a clean break, and that's just the way I want it. You're sure about that? I am. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm painting. Everything is just the way I want it. You know, Mike, you sound sort of like you were trying to convince yourself. I resent that, Mr. Dollar. Our family is split apart, that's all. Sheila's been trying her best to hold it together, but it won't work. Why not? Because I have had it. For years, Dad's been trying to cram Watkins and company down my throat. He knew my heart wasn't in it, but did that matter to him? No. Look, Mr. Dollar. I can make your job real easy for you. Yeah? There's one person in our family really deserves that money after what she's been through. Sheila? Yes. Sheila. Item four, six dollars even. Transportation to the Lovett's home in Cranford, New Jersey. 
Look, Mr. Dollar, if sending you here is some scheme of Dad's to, well, to force us into line, you're wasting your time, and so is he. Now, wait a minute, Elizabeth, After please. the way he's treated Jim... Relax, honey. That's all over and done with. Look, Dollar, I can simplify your job for you. Can you? Give the insurance to Elizabeth here. Why? Because then I can get my hands on it. Oh? Well, what would you do with it, Jim? Buy a controlling interest in Watkins and Company and put the business back on its feet. You once worked for Watkins and Company. Why did you leave? Because he's still running it the way he did 30 years ago. It won't work, and I wouldn't be a part of it. Jim tried, Mr. Dollar. He really did. But Dad wouldn't even listen to him. For years, he tried to get Mike to take over the business. But Mike prefers to be off in Never Never Land painting those lousy pictures of now, his. Now, Jim... They are lousy, and you know it, Liz. Look, uh, Jim, you say Mr. Watkins didn't give you a chance to put your ideas into effect, huh? No. Finally, things got to the breaking point. Dollar, I sent him a written contract guaranteeing I'd raise the necessary financing. I asked for only six months in charge. Contract? But he wouldn't accept your offer, huh? No. Sheila begged him to sign. Finally, he sent word back for me to tear up the contract and get out of the company. I see. Well, Dollar, you've met all three of us now. Who's going to be the beneficiary? Sheila or Mike? Or Elizabeth. One thing I wanted to check on was Jim's opinion that Mike was not a good painter. I nosed around until I found an art dealer who'd handled his work. He showed me a couple of paintings and then leveled with me. So far as he could see, Mike was a lousy artist. I went back to my hotel to think it over, but I found a message that Mr. Watkins' attorney wanted to talk to me. He'd taken a room on the floor above, so I went upstairs. Halfway into the room, I noticed it was dark. Then as I heard the door slam, I felt a gun barrel in my back. Hold real still, Dollar. Who are you? That don't matter. What's this all about? Dollar, this case you're working on, you drop it right now. And if I don't? If you don't, you get dropped for keeps. of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Do you know who said, that man is free who is protected from injury? Those words came from Daniel Webster, one of the most eloquent orators in American history. Webster knew that a man could not be free unless he lived in a country which recognized his right to freedom and created laws to protect that freedom. A slave state may say that its citizens are free, but as long as a single citizen can be harmed by the whim of a country's rulers, true freedom does not exist. A man is free only if his rights to freedom are protected. Remember the words of Daniel Webster. They are part of your American heritage. The free man must be protected from injury. And now, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Happy Family Matter. You get the message, Dollar? Sure. I dropped the case or else. Look, you're obviously not Watkins' attorney. The message was just a decoy to get me here. Who hired you to give Don't me this warning? Don't get so nosy, Dollar. You got the warning. It's the main point. 
Just to make sure you get the message. I'd seen what was coming in duck, then swung and knocked the gun out of his hand. Hey. He gave me a knee in the oh, stomach that flattened me. By the time I got to my feet, he was gone. I turned on the lights and looked around. And then on the table, I spotted something that stopped me cold. The truth had been right under my nose all the time. I called the various members of the family, asked them to meet me at the Watkins' home. When I got there, they were waiting for me. Mr. Watkins, Sheila, Mike, Elizabeth, and her husband, Jim. There was a stiff, chilly politeness in the air. There was tension, too. Mr. Dollar, I want you to know that I resent your theatrical gesture in assembling us like this. And I'm sorry, Mr. Watkins, but you hired me to do a job, and I'm trying to do it. I'm sure you have reasons for this, Mr. Dollar. But you must know how painful this is to Father. Yes, I know, Sheila, but it's necessary. I don't see why, darling. I'm coming to that, Mike. Now, look, let's face it. This is not exactly the happiest family in the world. It's been torn wide apart. All right. Why is it torn apart? Oh, that's ancient history, Mr. Dollar. Maybe some of it is, Elizabeth, but a lot of it isn't. Well, I don't see what's to be gained by rehashing Let all this. Let him finish, honey. Just what are you driving at, Dollar? Just this, Jim. I was hired to find out what I could about the three beneficiaries. On the surface, everybody was very cooperative. On the surface? Somebody in this family didn't really want me to make this investigation, Sheila. They hired a strong arm to rough me up earlier this evening to make me drop the investigation. Nonsense. Sorry, Mr. Watkins, but I've got the scars to prove it. But who? Let's start with you, Mike. I want to know why you quit the family business and started painting. I told you. It was because Dad kept trying to cram the business down my throat. Why, you ungrateful. Well, it's true. I couldn't take it any longer. Sure. But you'd felt that way for a long while. What led you to make the break, Mike? Well, I... When even Sheila agreed it was no use, I... I she encouraged was... you. Of course I encouraged him. I felt he should have the right to a life of his own. But Sheila... You told me that you had begged Mike to stay in the company. She what? what? I, what? I was acting in the best interests of the family. Were you, Sheila? Mr. Dollar, I don't know what you're trying to suggest. That brings us to Jim and Elizabeth here. Jim, you quit the company, too. Why? I've already told you, Dollar. Mr. Watkins refused my last offer of help. Kicked me out. Well, that's not true. What offer are you talking about? That contract I sent you. What contract? You never saw it, did you, Mr. Watkins? I most certainly did not. But I... Wait a minute. I gave the contract to Sheila. She said it'd be better if she handled it. Then she told me later she discussed it with her father and he refused. Sheila, you lied. Well, Sheila? Mr. Dollar, I refused to discuss... Sheila, you... You have a nervous habit of shredding cellophane cigarette wrappers to bits. In the hotel room where that hired strong arm jumped me, I found a little pile of shredded cellophane near the ashtray. Sheila. Uh, I, I don't understand. Mr. Dollar, do I understand that you're suggesting it's... It's been I who've torn the family apart? Well... Sheila... Yes, Father. Why? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Hey, look, I'm an insurance investigator, not a psychologist. But I don't think this is too hard to understand. 
Sheila, weren't you trying somehow to... to punish? I... I'm not sure. Sheila. Oh, Sheila, if that's true, you need help. They... They all had a life of their own. Except me. We'll help you, dear. We'll get help for you. I hated what I was doing. But I just couldn't seem to... to help myself. Mr. Dollar, you will understand that I am rather bewildered by all this. I do, Mr. Watkins. Now, you suggest that she was deliberately trying to... to tear the family apart in order to punish someone? Well, that's only a guess, Mr. Watkins, but I think it's probably a good one. Then she was trying to punish me. I think so. Hmm. Should I understand why? Did she ever have a life of her own? Was she ever allowed to have one? Mr. Dollar, I requested you to designate a beneficiary for me. That's right. I now request you to suspend further action for the time being. It appears the matter requires further thought. Yeah. Yeah. Item six, eight dollars and fifty cents. Transportation and incidentals back home. Expense account total, $73 even. Remarks? Sheila is now undergoing treatment, and the outlook is favorable. Elizabeth's husband, Jim, is managing the affairs of Watkins and Company. Mike is helping him. And I guess he's doing a good job. Mr. Watkins, well, he's still alive. And his doctor tells me that now the old gentleman has found some reasons to be alive, he'll probably be with us quite a while and make all three of his children his beneficiaries. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Tonight's story was written by Robert Wright. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Shirley Mitchell, John Daner, Larry Dobkin, Peter Leeds, and Paul Duboff. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking.
Johnny Dollar. Pat McCracken, Johnny. How's the weather in Palm Springs? A blonde in a bikini just melted past my poolside window. Goodbye now. Oh, don't hang up. Uh, Johnny, this job's just a few miles north of where you are. It'll take maybe a day to clear it up. Yeah, you said that last Christmas, Pat, and I got trapped in a blizzard. This season, I soak in the sun. Happy New Year. John, boy, we have a bonus list in this office. Your name could be on it. Uh, near where I am, huh? <laughs> it's a ghost town in Calico. An old prospector named Kringle is breathing his last up there. I thought old prospectors never died. He wants to change the beneficiary on a $50,000 policy, but a nephew, Ned Kringle, threatens suit if we let him. So you contact our agent, Gene Craig, in Barstow. Who's the new beneficiary? Uh, Carmen Kringle. Carmen? A borough. A borough? Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, if I don't hear from you, Johnny, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Home Office Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Carmen Kringle matter. Expense account item one, a dollar forty. Telegram to Gene Craig and Barstow telling him where and when to meet me. Item two, fifty dollars even to Al Sterner for his charter plane to the ghost town of Calico. book says there's something about desert country that's good for the soul. And in spite of the air bumps, I got a panoramic view of the great Mojave that took my breath away. The sun's setting rays hit the weird mineral straters of the Calico Range and turned them into a patchwork of beauty. Night comes quickly in this country, and I turned to well when a Christmas tree cluster of blinking lights appeared under our wings. By way of answer, he put the plane into a glide and set us down on the smooth surface of a dry lake bed. Shows up? No, no, thanks. Well, there seems to be plenty of company. That's just an old coyote. Don't stand too long or you'll freeze to the spot. Okay. Good luck. Call me when you want to be picked up. I watched Al's plane until it was swallowed by the darkness. Then suddenly I got that feeling in the hair on the back of my neck that I wasn't alone. The moon was up enough to make out shadows, and silhouetted in a circle around me was a strange collection of figures. One of the pack moved toward me, and for a crazy second, I thought I'd bumped into Santa Claus's reindeer. Then a car without lights came rushing at me. The headlights slammed on, and I got a glimpse of a donkey herd scattering into the night. All right, mister. Walk toward me. Slow, with your hands high. I've learned never to argue with a Winchester 94, so I followed orders. I spotted the weaving headlamps of another car approaching and prayed it was the agent, Gene Craig. Close enough, Sonny. I can pop the rattlers off a sidewind at 60 yards. So don't you make no sudden move. He was maybe 60 with gray sideburns and a frosty goatee. A marshal's badge was pinned to his leather jacket. All right, now, mister. Marshal, Marshal, that's all right. That's Mr. Dollar. Huh? I'm supposed to meet him earlier. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Dollar. I'm Gene Craig. Huh? I you... couldn't get here until I drove Doc Spangler up to Chris. 
He's had another setback, Marshal. Yeah, some darn fool let down a rail on his corral and Chris Kringle's whole herd got loose. He don't give a chuck for most of them, though, except Carmen. Now he's fretting because she's running wild. Almost had him tracked down when this here fella showed up. If you vouch for him, huh, Jean? You are Johnny Dollar, aren't you? Well, on a frozen facsimile. Come on, I'll drive you into Calico. You tell Chris that I'll have his Carmen back in the corral before the moon's full. And, uh, Jean. Yeah, my Tell the old sourdough to stay alive, will you? We need him around here. Sorry about mistaking you, Mr. Dollar. Craig, with a J, knew her way around. She was strictly business and filled me in fast on the old prospector with the odd name and his desire to change the beneficiary of his policy. Everybody calls him Chris because every year he loads up his burrows with toys and presents for the miners and their families back in the hills. Uh-huh. The kids really think he is Santa Claus. I'm afraid it won't be a very merry one for them this year. Well, what makes everyone so sure Chris Kringle is giving up the ghost? Doc Spangler says there's nothing apparently wrong with him. It's more like he's given up. Oh, what's with this Scrooge character, the nephew? Ned Kringle seems all right. It's the man with him, Willie D'Agostino. He does the talking for Ned. You think he was going to inherit the money? Well, maybe he's expecting to. You know, you're making a good case for Carmen. Can a borough be a beneficiary, Johnny? <laughs> Chris can leave it to a three-masted schooner if he wants, providing a trust is set up. Could the people of Calico be that trust if they promise to take care of Carmen? Yeah, I guess so. Why? That's the way Chris wants it. That way, there'll always be a Christmas in Calico. <laughs> what happens when Carmen goes to donkey heaven? Or is it burrows that never die? There'll always be burrows in Calico, Johnny. And one of them could always be named Carmen. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Carmen Kringle matter. Well, here we are, Johnny. Calico. Once the richest silver city in the West. It was unbelievable. Like seeing a page from the past. Walter Knott, famed creator of Knott's Berry Farm and Western historian, had bought the old ghost town's battered remnants and restored it to the way it must have appeared in the wild and fevered days of the Silver Lord. I could make out signs nailed to weathered batten boards that told of a flourishing and colorful past. Joe's Saloon, The Last Chance, Hyena House Hotel, Lane's Mercantile, The Calico Prince. High on a hill at the edge of town, people were gathered at the entrance to a cave that was illuminated by hundreds of miners' lamps. Kind of gets you, huh? Almost like it was planned. They're rehearsing for the Christmas Eve pageant. Maybe you can spend Christmas Eve with us, Johnny. You don't have other plans. I have a day with a steam-heated swimming pool. What? Come on. Let's meet the old man. Expense account item three, a hundred bucks for a quart of perfume or a mink scarf, anything to wipe the hurt look off of Jean Craig's face. She led me up the steps to the rickety porch of Chris Kringle's wooden shack. A tall figure carrying a black bag stepped toward us out of the shadows. Yeah, I'm glad to see you. 
Will you drive me back to town? Why, certainly, Doc. Oh, this is Mr. Dollar. Hi, son. Hi. Chris, is he still all right? I couldn't say. Been sitting out here waiting for you. You haven't seen the patient? The medical man owes a duty and all that, but I'm too old to talk back to a gun. They wouldn't let you in? Tired of it. Well, I'm not a medical man. Well, please be careful, Johnny. I told you, Starbone, stay away and leave the old man to... <laughs> well, if it ain't a little genie, the policy fixes. And who are you, mister? Willie D'Agostino. This is Johnny Dollar. He's from the insurance company to see about changing the policy. Who is it, Willie? Who are you talking Relax, to? Relax, will you, and let him give us some tourist directions back to Barstow. There'll be no policy changing at this late date, mister. Ned Kringle is very bereaved at the imminence of his uncle's demise. Just family admitted at this sad hour. So mosey along, folks. I'll leave the young man to his grave. Your foot is in the door, mister. I don't like your foot. And I don't like you. His hand moved to his shoulder holster, but Gene was standing right beside me. It was Doc who suddenly shouldered past Agostino and fled up the stairs that gave him my chance. I kicked the door wide. Threw him off balance. I shoved Genie aside, and that was a mistake. Because a million Christmas tree lights blazed up in my skull. Then slowly the tree lights faded away, and I saw Jeannie fussing over me and looking worried. A young, nice-looking fellow was seated next to a marble top table. D'Agostino leaned against the stone fireplace and dangled his gun, smiling like he had a stacked deck. He's all right, Doc? A nasty cut, but no fracture. I know how to pull my punches, Doc. The old man. How is he? No better, no worse. Just lying up there staring at the ceiling. I want to see Chris. I have a right to, Ned. I'm an old friend. Wooly, wouldn't it be okay if Gene just went no, up? No, let him die in peace. He's past carrot hose season. Wooly, these people have I a right. I said no. I'll get a hero boy and a speak to shove off. Go on. Come on, Johnny. Help me, Doc. How's it going to feel, Ned? Sharing blood money with a hoodlum. Your uncle paid for that policy with a pick and a shovel. It took a lot of years, a lot of sweat. And he's had your name on that policy ever since you were born. Oh, man, Kringle never saw pay dirt in his life. Ned had given him money to live on, paid the premiums on his policy. Chris was always tapping the kid, claiming he had a new find. He was going to mine a million. Boy, shut up! The old man's dying. Tell him, Ned. Tell him how the old phony was always taking the bars, making like Santa Claus with the money you give him. Willie, haven't you got a... Tell him to hold on to the money! And who's been waiting a long time for this? Me. Willie D'Agostino, that's who... Is that true, Ned? Yeah. I thought my uncle would make a strike someday. I I honestly thought he'd strike it rich. I know he tried. He did strike it rich, Ned. When he dies, every man, woman, and child in this town will mourn him. He'll live in their hearts. What will people remember about you, Mr. D'Agostino? All right, I'll get out. Get out and stay up before I... Really? This rifle will make a hole in your belly big enough to pass a borax team through. So you just drop that gun. Well, I don't know what the shouting's about, but you're guilty carrying sidearms, you're threatening violence, Mr. D'Agostino. And ain't nobody does that in Calico, as long as I'm the marshal. Now, you better get. Ed Nuller, I love you. Don't let Gladys hear that. 
Well, I'll see how Chris is. Uh, Doc. Yeah. Tell the old buzzard that I got his Carmen back in the corral. Jingle bells and all. Yeah, nice work, Ed. Now, what's holding you, mister? Okay. Okay. All right, let's go, Ned. Let the squares have a round, huh? I'm going to stay here, Willie. I want to be here when Chris... Hey, that's a good idea. That way, no fooling around with the will, huh? Smart kid, that Ned. Uh, see you at the funeral, huh? Go up now. You were wonderful, Marshal. You too, Johnny. Oh, yeah, sure. I take a nice sock on the head. Hey, you folks better come up too. Chris wants to say something. Oh, oh, I forget on this. Corral, come on. Agostino must have had another gun in his car. One of the bullets had found the mark he intended. Willie Boy wasn't taking any chances that Carmen Kringle would inherit $50,000. We found the burrow lying on her side, quite dead. Jingle bells and all. of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Oh, act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Carmen Kringle Matter. Oh, Marshal. Johnny, how could he have been so cruel? Carmen dead. It's just not right. Yeah. I figured D'Acostino might be mean enough to try killing Chris's pet burro. We can't tell him about it. It would kill him for sure. You'll have to know the truth, Jean. You'll have to decide about the will. Yeah. Truth is always the best. And easy this time. Easy? Huh? Yeah. I'll just take these bells off and miss poor little fella, and I'll put them where they belong. Carmen. What? Carmen. Oh. Mosey over here now. Oh, oh you pulled a switch. You put these bells on another book. Yeah. I didn't trust that greasy character, and I was right. And nice girl, Carl. Oh, I'll be. Now, now, you folks going up and see old Chris. I'll keep an eye on this year $50,000 jackass. That's uh, the way it's going to be, ain't it, Johnny? Yes, sir. That's the way it's going to be. But I was wrong. The roly-poly little old man in the four-poster bed with his white whiskers resting on the quilt changed his mind again. Even after hearing about how the marshal saved Carmen. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to scratch Ned's name off of that insurance, Mr. Dollar. I tried to shake that Dagostino, figuring he'd take his hooks off of Ned. If he thought my Carmen was going to get the money. Oh, I was scared for a while that I just might have to up and die to square my nephew's gambling debts. I, uh, I'm sorry, Chris. I'll work my fingers raw paying every cent I owe, but I'll pay him back with interest. I want you around. Okay, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, Chris. Lift the lid on that footlocker and fetch me one of them bags in there. They're pretty heavy, but you look strong. They're sure heavy enough. You got them stuffed with silver? Oh, I better than silver. Open it up. Open it up. Yeah, that's it, 
Yeah, yeah. Recognize Doc? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'd better have a good sleep, Chris. This here is plain old gravel. Oh, plain old gravel. It's uranium, Doc. Huh? The last batch assayed at $900 a ton. And I got a mountain of it staked out. In both our names, Ned. You oh, don't care. Hey, why, Chris? Hey, 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 Mr. Dollar, if you and Jeannie check with a Barstow bank, you'll find that they'll extend credit on the strength of that assay. <laughs> you reckon you can spend two days buying enough presents so as we won't disappoint the folks hereabouts? Expense account item four, $68 even. Telephone calls to five principal cities where I thought Willie D'Agostino might be remembered. The police departments had a long list of reasons why they remembered Willie. That was my Christmas present to them. Expense account item five, another 50. Truck rental to haul the presents we bought for Ned to give away come Christmas morning. And then it was Christmas Eve. We sat on the Kringle's porch and watched the procession up to the Maggie Mine. The flickering lights from the miners' lamps reflecting on the faces of the happy children. Old Chris was bundled up in blankets, his little eyes twinkling, chuckling to himself like he knew all the answers of the universe. Jean was there, too. Kind of nice, isn't it, Johnny? Kind of nice. Marshal Ed Noller was one of the wise men in the procession. I recognized the sideburns. And Doc Spangler couldn't hide his height. Oh, he wore an awful beard. Ned Kringle led the burrow that carried the Blessed Mother. Yeah, you guessed it. The burrow was Carmen Kringle. Expense account total, including return to Palm Springs and incidentals, $229.75. But forget it, Pat. This is the best holiday I ever had. And I was only cold at the start. From all of us to all of you, may this be your very merriest Christmas ever. Yours truly, Johnny Dalton.